everybody, and good morning. Um, invite you to take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 15, uh, 5 through 15. Matthew chapter 6. Just uh, mention one thing on the heels of Mike's statement. The uh, prayer gathering at Commitment Community Church is actually this afternoon at 4 o'clock, uh, Sunday afternoon, and hope you can come out and uh, rejoice in the, in the goodness of God and the oneness we have in the body of Christ. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we gather this morning, and we've already sung our songs of praise. God, now we open your word. Lord, I pray that you would teach us, God, as we think of this gift that you've given to us in, in being able to talk with you and do life with you and, and, and have communication with you moment by moment, day by day, as we read the very words that Jesus gave to instruct his disciples and us in how to pray, what it looks like, how different it is from praying that often we participate in. And Lord, I pray you teach us, uh, encourage us even with the insights we read in this passage about yourself, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Connie Kang, who writes as a reporter for the LA Times, wrote recently, it was actually around Easter time, and she was writing, she had done an analysis of... Uh, world faiths and world religions, and she wrote an article that was entitled, Across the Globe, Christians Are United by the Lord's Prayer. It was her conclusion after researching numbers that she believed that approximately two billion Protestants, Catholics, and Eastern Orthodox Christians read, recited, or sang the Lord's Prayer in the weeks prior to and after Easter. To put that in perspective, and for those of us that, that, that need visuals to help with numbers, um, when we talk about two billion people around the world celebrating the Lord's Prayer and thinking about it, using it, reciting it, actually two billion people, to put it in perspective, would be if you took the Lincoln Financial Field, which is where the Eagles play, 69,000 is full capacity, every seat full. 
If you took that stadium and filled it with people and then emptied them out and filled it with people and then emptied them out, you would have to fill and empty that stadium 29,000 times. It's a lot of people around the world today that are celebrating in their lives the experience that they have been instructed in or are at least familiar with in this thing we call the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be spending six weeks looking at this, trying to to process what Jesus is saying as He instructs us in practical prayer here. There were two occasions that Jesus actually gave the instruction we have here in Matthew 6 about prayer. One of those occasions recorded in Luke was a time when Jesus' disciples just heard Him praying. And when he got done praying, they they gathered around him, and a couple of the boys said to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he said, this is how you pray, our Father who art in heaven. He gave them the Lord's Prayer. Here in Matthew chapter chapter 6, it's in the context of this great teaching moment of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this case, when he actually gives this same instruction on the Lord's Prayer as, the, as the, the model of prayer, he actually gives it to correct some practices of prayer that were being done that were either formal or artificial. He's actually comparing in this passage two types of praying. And one are actually manifested in a couple of different groups. First of all, in verses 5 through 8, he talks about the Pharisees. And and they were eloquent, self-absorbed in their praying. They're praying to try to appear spiritual to themselves, to others. They're really praying to everybody but God. As he describes them by these words, "And And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. It was a show. For them, prayer was a performance primarily performed before others. But he says they're hypocrites because what's true in their expression of a relationship with God and, and is not true inside. That basically they're not really talking to God, he says. It's just a show for other people. The other group he addresses who also are praying he calls the pagans, or the Lord literally means the ethnos, the, the nations, those outside of, of the faith of Israel. And they prayed mechanically. He described them these words, and when, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. They also saw prayer as a performance, but for them it was a performance before God that they were not really talking to God either. They were trying to perform, and they're babbling, and they're repeating things, and and, and having what's called vain repetitions, just repeating the same thing over and over. But Jesus says, "Don't, don't, don't pray like these guys. Performing is not the basis of prayer. There's something very different he presents to us here. And in his model of prayer, He knew that his listeners very easily slipped into praying with one of these patterns, just like you and I do. We pray as the Pharisees. It's a show for other people. We've all done it. 
We've all prayed in a group of people. We're more conscious of the people in the room and how we're coming across. And we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't, you know, we want to sound a little bit spiritual. And if you think, well, I've never done that. Yeah, you have. But Jesus says, don't have your focus be performance and the show towards others. But he also says, don't have it be a performance before God. He said, don't pray as the pagans, repeating a bunch of words. It's a show for God. I thought about this in my own life. And I was trying to think, when I sort of go an automatic pilot, and you know, I feel like I should be praying, and I just start saying words. These are words that I say. Guide me, help me, go before me. And I I can repeat those words without even really thinking what I'm saying. That I'm just, you know, these these are my go-to prayers. So, but I realize sometimes that I'm a vain babbler. He says, don't pray like that, Mark. Don't pray with this this sense that you just sort of put in your time and it's sort of a performance. He he says, that's not what prayer is about. He says, rather for us, there is a prayer that is uniquely Christian. It is uniquely Jesus-styled. It is how Jesus prayed. Now, just being a Christian does not guarantee we're praying this way. So Jesus challenges his father, his followers, to pray this way. And that's why he starts his passage and he says, in this manner, pray. Not, the, not that way, not that way, this way. So the first area that we're going to look at in our first of these six weeks on the, on the Lord's Prayer is to look at what he says is the basis of prayer, of our approaching God. And he starts it right in the very two words that start off this whole thing with the statement, Our Father. And in presenting that as the basis of our approaching God, he reminds us about three things that is the basis of our prayer, of Jesus-styled prayer, of the prayer with which Jesus prayed. Number one, the basis for Christian prayer is relationship. The other people he's talking about here had one basis for approaching God in prayer. Jesus is saying true Christian prayer comes on a, on a whole different basis. The other kinds of praying are based on performance. You've heard of their many words he talks about of the, of the pagans. They pray in the way they think will get an audience with God. Jesus says that the basis of being heard is not in performance. It is found in relationship. The second thing he says here, as he elaborates on this, and as as we try to unpack this a little more, is that the basis for Christian prayer is a certain level of relationship. Let me try to illustrate this. We all approach other people on the basis of the level of relationship that we have. If you pull up at a stoplight, and you're in a two-lane road, and, and, and you pull up next to this guy, and you're in your car, and you want to get his attention, you know, and you signal, you know, and, and so he pulls down his window, and you pull down your window. It's completely natural and completely appropriate for you to say something like, hey, hey, can I get some directions? I mean, how do you get to 73? I mean, do, do you know how to get on 70, on 295 South? Totally appropriate, right? Totally natural. And then, I mean, he, if, if, if he doesn't feel it is, he's not going to lower his window. But if he lowered his window, he'd be fine with you asking that question. If you're in a restaurant, 
And you see somebody there and, and you catch their eye and it's not too inconvenient. Or, it's, it's totally appropriate to say, I'm sorry, but do you have the time? They'll give you the time. Most people will say, yeah, it's, it's, it's 7.20, whatever it is. Those are natural things, right? We can do that even with a stranger. But there's a lot of things that would be unnatural and inappropriate. You could come to the guy's car next to you. And, and you could get him to roll down his window and you say, hey, 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 that's one hot car. Can I take that bad baby for a little ride? You know, can I take it for a drive? And you're going to see that window go up very quickly. You've crossed the line. It's inappropriate. The level of relationship that you have has not afforded you the opportunity to ask him, can you take his car for a spin? We can approach a neighbor or a coworker. On the basis of our relationship, it's natural to go to your neighbor and say, hey man, can I, can I borrow a shovel? You know, I, I got to dig this, this up. Can I? Uh, might even be able to say, if your kid and, and, and their kid play on the same soccer team, hey, would you be willing to take my son along with yours to soccer practice? I'll pick up if you'll drop off. Completely appropriate. Wouldn't be as appropriate to say, hey, those steaks smell great. How about we come over tonight? You know, we'll just drop by in the next few minutes. We were going to have burgers, but those, those steaks sound fantastic. No, you've probably crossed the line unless he's used to you and, and you've already given him some steaks. Be unnatural at work to say, hey, can I use your cell phone? Hey, could I have your cell phone overnight? Mine's outdated. And, and, and if he's crazy enough to let you take it, if you to come back the next day and say, hey, I, I see on here with your apps, you have the same brokerage firm that you use for investments that I do. Hey, how much, how much you have in there? You know, what, what, what level of investments you got going? You've crossed the line. You don't have that relationship with this neighbor or this co-worker. Some things are appropriate. Some things are too far. But then you think of approaching a parent. And the relationship is of the, more, of the deepest level and affords the deepest level of request. Things you would never consider asking a stranger or a co-worker or even a neighbor, you would ask of a parent, hey mom, can I have a couple of friends over for a, for a barbecue and an overnight? You get the food, you cook the barbecue, you allow us to do everything crazy, and when they come, you disappear. You can't get away with doing that with a, a stranger. You may say, well, my kid doesn't get away with that with me. Well, probably more likely than neighbor or co-worker. We can ask parents things like this. Can you pick up some socks for me? Uh, can you get me new, new blinds for my room? Uh, can, you, can, you, can you give me new deodorant? I mean, we don't, we don't ask people this, but we would a parent. The level of things you talk about and ask for is different with a parent and a family. It is this relationship that Jesus says is the basis of prayer. The basis of Christian prayer is relationship. The basis of Christian prayer is a certain level of relationship. The basis of Christian prayer is a certain type of relationship. Relationships can be of a business type or a family type. Business types relationships tend to be based on 
what I can offer you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Let's, let's do this. It's, it's a performance. Family-based relationship is based on who I am to you. We expect to be treated differently in a family. We expect our parents to treat us with acceptance and to act like we belong simply on the basis of who we are. Now, unfortunately, all of us as parents screw up. We, we, we act inappropriately. We treat our kids wrongly at times. as selfishness is messing up. There's ignorance at times, even responding fearfully and causes us to do dumb things. But there still is an expectation in the fam that there is a treatment to one's own kids that's different from a parent. In the business relationship, we would expect something different. That in the business relationship, in order to be accepted and to have a place, you must perform. In the family relationship, because you are accepted, you are expected to perform. Clean your room. Help with the lawn. Do some chores. But if your room is a mess, it's not likely that you're going to kick your kid out of the house. You may close their door. But they're not there on the basis of performance in the way you would be in a business relationship. It's a certain type of relationship. Now, let's pull all this together. We need to understand the significance of when Jesus says, I am family with you. I am father to you. And embrace it into our prayer lives. The basis of praying as a Christian is the same as it was for Jesus. God is his father. God is our father. He has entered into that relationship with us the one that affords the most intimate, the most intimate friendship, and that allows the most audacious requests. There's nothing comparable to it. So why is it important then to remember that this is our basis for prayer? Well, I'd suggest there are three things that are, are beautiful fruits of remembering that Jesus says, don't pray like they pray. They're performing. They're, they're making all about them. They want people to recognize them. And somehow they think this, this, this praise from people is affirming their, their closeness to God. And, or they want to just keep repeating the same things enough that, that God will, 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 will be responsible to respond to them. He said, no, no, pray on the basis that, that God is determined to be called your, your father. The first thing that I think is the result of that is we will find praising God is a natural part of prayer. The Pharisees had no joy in God. The pagan, uttering their mechanical prayers, had no joy in God. Prayer was a business transaction. They're coming to God as our, coming to God as our Father is to delight in being with God. There is a spirit of wonder and praise that an employee does not have. If you receive your paycheck, you don't say, I praise my, my, my merciful employer. Why don't you? Because you feel like you've earned it. 
You've put in the work, and, and they're giving you the paycheck. People barter with God when they pray like these other guys that he's saying, don't pray like that. It's, God, I'll do this for you. If you do this for me, I deserve this. I've served faithfully. My friend deserves to be helped. He's a good man. But if you approach God as your father, that he has entered into this most intimate of relationships with you, you will find yourself praising him in prayer. You won't have to be consciously thinking through the, you know, the acronym ACTS. I got I to adore. I, I got to confess. I got to give thanks. I got to have supplication. You know, and I shouldn't start with supplication, which is praying for needs. Uh, you know, I got to intention. No, you, if we're really overwhelmed with what it means that God has chosen to have us pray as your Father, praise just naturally will flow. C.S. Lewis talks about this in arguing that we praise what we enjoy. Here's how he says it in his book on the Psalms, Reflections on the Psalms, C.S. Lewis. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It's frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silence because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in a ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. What Lewis is arguing is that we delight in praising God because of our joy in Him. And what we find joy in, we, we delight to praise. We want to we, we express our praise. And the more we allow this reality that, that Jesus says, guys, pray like I pray. I pray, my Father, that's how I start. That's how I think. That's how I do life. The first reality is the more we do that, the more we'll find praise, just a natural expression of our joy. Secondly, you will feel lonely for God when you don't pray. The, the pagan, the Pharisee, when they didn't pray, they didn't miss it. Uh, they, th- this is not something that, that, that lit their fire in their humanness. The Pharisee and the pagan found no pleasure in prayer because they knew no pleasure in God. To them, prayer was a barter system. We pray the right words, pray them eloquently or diligently enough, and we'll hopefully we'll, we'll get what we want. Jesus' basis of prayer is this. He says, talk with the one who has already said he is for you that he has adopted you as his children, as his kids, that he has taken you into his household. And he says, who wouldn't miss that person when we haven't had time to be with him? The safest being in the universe, the one that says, I am for you. You'll feel lonely for God when you don't pray, when you really embrace, this is the basis of my prayer. I pray because he's my father. 
And third, you'll be okay when God does not answer as you want. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, I suggest that if you can say from your heart, whatever your condition, my Father. In a sense, your prayer is already answered. It is just this realization of our relationship to God that we so sadly lack. The items for prayer are not as precious to us as the relationship with the Father. To know He's for us, we trust Him with what He will do with our requests. The more we, we, we imbibe the reality that, that, that this God is my Father, the one who is for me, who is lined up in my camp, who stands with me, the more we're willing to trust Him with answers that weren't exactly how we hoped. Tim Keller says it beautifully this way, As a good father, God will either give you what you ask for or give you what you would have asked if you understood everything he does. We don't really believe that's true until the reality of God being for us, God being our father, God, the Romans 8 God that says, he who spared not his own son, how will he not with you freely give you with him freely give you all things. The more we know he's for us, the more we know he's our, our heavenly father, the more we're okay when God doesn't answer as we want it. Think of all the human relationships God could have chosen. All the human relationships that we have in our lives that God could have chosen to say this is the basis of praying. He could have said, I want you to pray to God as your neighbor. I want you to pray to God as your ruler, as your inspector, as your Lord, as your sheriff, as your employer, as your king. But Jesus said, no, I, I, I want you guys to pray the way I talk to him. That you can say, not only is he our father, He's my Father, just like Jesus said. And He says to us, pray that way. And prayer then stops becoming a, a, a sterile, artificial, cold thing. It becomes the expression of a relationship that is steeped in joy and hope and love. Let's pray. Lord, that you would begin this prayer in teaching us how to pray with this most intimate of human relationships as the model is just overwhelming. God, I believe the greatest prayer that we can pray for each other is that we would, we would learn how much God loves us. I think that's what you want. I think you want us to do what you said in the Psalms, that you delight in people who hope in your unfailing love. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself as our Father. That's how you want us to talk to you and enjoy you. Oh God, even as I'm praying this morning, there are people that are, that are listening to this prayer that are really struggling. 
There's people that are fearful today. There's people that are, that are in great pain. There are people that feel their own unloveliness. Lord, as you always seem to want to do, take us to yourself. Stun us, awe us again with what it means that you say that we're to pray to you the way Jesus did. To approach you with confidence and joy that you're our Father. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go, to, go, in, <laughs> now go in peace to love and serve and enjoy the Lord. Thank you.